We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers speak basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello. Welcome back to Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Zayas, and I have COVID. Joining me today is Tim. A.K.A. Cranders me basketball. I just wanted to let the people know, Tim, in case they were wondering where I was and why I sound like death. I'm mm. recovering. I'm doing okay. But uh, I'm mostly sick of the Los Angeles Lakers losing basketball games. See what I did there? Wow. wow. Yeah, that was, that was profound. <laughs> we all are, Tom. We all are. We are recording this uh, mid-Sunday afternoon Pacific time just after the Lakers lost second in a row to the Cleveland Cavaliers after a pretty good first half. We were on playback. I want to plug that really quick. Please go uh, check us out on playback. We'll be tweeting about where we go live, but it's super cool, Tim. Uh, just click a link and you're in. No need to sync. You get to listen to us. You can still hear the stream. Um, so I'll plug that again at the end, but... What did you see, I guess, from this Cavs game? Uh, Lakers kept it close. Um, had some good offense in the first half, but looked really disjointed in the second half. And AD, you know, again, really didn't show up offensively in the second half. Yeah, they were off to a good start. And from there, it, it just went downhill. The offense scored 36 points in the second half. Was not looking good. And... We saw a lot of possessions later in the game that just weren't organized. It was Trey Brown ISO, Austin Reeves ISO, Russell Westbrook ISO. And the team didn't seem to know what it wanted to do. And that's not when it's at its best. Having having logged all of these plays, I can very definitively say the team generates better shots and they get the shots to the better players when they're running their their you know organized offense. And they really got away from that in the second half, or at least that's what it seemed like live. Uh, it definitely, it always seems worse live than when I log it afterwards. And then I'm like, oh, okay, they did run a play and they just missed the shot. 
something. So that may be some of this, but there for sure were a bunch of plays that they had nothing going on. So that was that was an element, and we've seen like AD hasn't been involved all that much in second halves recently, and that is certainly a big piece of this too. Yeah, all this despite Russell Westbrook playing pretty well off of the bench. Um, he's definitely had some really bad defensive stretches and was pretty bad in the second half today as well. Um, lots of turnovers. I think he had seven turnovers altogether today against the Cavs. But it's it's kind of a – we can't get AD, LeBron, and Russ to all play well in the same game. Um, LeBron's really struggled lately. I know he's been battling with, what, a stomach virus or something. He hasn't looked quite himself and – the jump shooting from him, who is one of our main guys, who is a good jump shooter, has been bad. And then today against the Cavs with Patrick Beverly out with a non-COVID illness, we had Kedrick Nunn coming in. He is a guy we thought would be one of the Lakers' better shooters. He has been bad. I saw he was 14 for 49 on the season overall, Tim, with eight assists and 11 turnovers. Mm. So it's not like... We're seeing um, one player, you know, being bringing this team down or a handful. It's almost every guy is not really showing up from one game to the next. Uh, and I don't really know how or if scheme is a factor in that. Obviously, I think they can be set up easier. But what do you think with these guys kind of struggling to find the consistency out of the gate? Um, if that's, you know, not relying on some of the sets you've you've liked so far and going more freelance yeah the scheme is an impact there's certainly shooting luck going on big picture overall the lakers have generated pretty good shots at least prior to today i haven't looked at the data for today i haven't again logged the film for today yet the game just happened but for the most part after the first couple games of the season the team has really figured out its process and they've been running more good stuff but even then, there certainly have been quarters where they go from, you know, 60% of the time we're running organized offense to 28% of the time we're running organized offense. I'm looking at my log right now. So that kind of disparity can drastically change how crisp the team is looking. It When they're running their sets, they tend to do different kinds of attacks. Like if you want to be generating roll man attempts you are like three times more likely to see a roll man look if they're running a set play than if they're just freelancing. That's what the numbers say. And for AD, who's someone that they've, you know, his perimeter isos are down, they want to post him up and they want to get him on rolls and, and cuts and dump offs. The rolls, cuts and dump offs piece, that drastically goes up volume wise when they're running all, you know, organized offense. So if they go through a third quarter where the play calling's asleep at the wheel, we will see him less involved. We are also seeing, I think against the Cavs today, we saw a different kind of help in the post than we've seen the, the first few games. It wasn't two guys on the blocks, two guys on the elbows where flashing to the middle of the paint is really easy. Instead of that, there was a guy in the middle of the paint and he was ready to help over if needed, but they were kind of taking away that middle flash and the Lakers needed to do more rather than cutting to the middle of the paint. They needed to do more with uh, off-screen action, weak side or pinion flares, things like that. So they were using the wrong attack for what they were being shown. But this was the first game of the season they were shown this type of defense. So it's somewhat understandable that they were a little unprepared. We've seen them with the post help, with zone defense. There have been times this season where they weren't prepared the first time they saw something. And then the next time they saw it, the next game they were. So hopefully a learning experience. Hopefully they're better and, and 
more, you know, able to attack that moving forward. But that was a factor. Russ, like you mentioned, his second half was not particularly good. He had, I think, 12 points and three turnovers at halftime. And like two of the three turnovers were right before the half. And then in the second half, seven points and four turnovers. And some of them were pretty bad. He keeps getting the ball stripped away, which has been a little frustrating, but he's had some great stretches in the first half. He had some highlight plays. Both of us were excited on playback, like you mentioned. Um, you know, really good for stretches of games. And I think coming off the bench has been really nice for him. It's staggered him and LeBron. He's been able to be more on ball. And defensively, I think staggering the two of them is also productive for this team because, I, you know, maybe not for every game of the season, but for some of the games I've looked at more closely, those have been two of the guys that have been making mistakes more often than than others. So at least, you know, splitting their minutes up, you have better defense around them, I think, rather than each other next to each, next to them. And the Cavs got uh, a lot of points at the free throw line. Um Garland, uh, Mitchell were making some really tough shots, mid-rangers, getting to the basket. Um, and there was definitely a, I thought, lack of uh, focus and discipline on the defensive end for the Lakers in the second half, which kind of led them, you know, once that third quarter run happened, kind of felt like, okay, you know, we need to to focus back on the defensive end. Um, start running some more sets. You know, I can't. It, it was unimaginable how bad Kendrick Nunn is right now. It's 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 an insane to me. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's it, it doesn't look like he's playing with confidence. He's, I mean, he's shooting like he has confidence, but it's not. It doesn't look good. Um, you know, he's fading to the left and right on a lot of these shots. I've noticed. You know, he, like he's just looks like a different guy from highlights we saw in the preseason and uh when we saw him in miami so it like i said it's this team isn't a bloody healed miles turner trade away from being really good right now i don't think um and i think a big part of that is you know nine games into the season lebron and ad are vacillating between great and and non-existent and or or downright bad on an impact level i know ad has been one of the top impact defensive players in the league uh you mentioned on our playback earlier you know he's doing great um but it the we're missing basic rotations you know we're sagging off of 15 feet off guys who are good shooters um we're we're falling asleep the the, the discipline the attention to the detail is just not there yet um i don't know if that's a, a symptom of a, a newish team with the guys that don't with a new coach uh and and but uh, some of it just feels like effort you know on that defensive end focus um mm-hmm. trying to stay locked in so if th- this team wants to be a defensive minded team which you know before today's game they were you know fifth in defensive net rating or defense not net rating defensive rating <clears throat> um you know, the offense has gotten marginally better, but they're still 29th in offense rating. Um, they're they're not good on offense. And they're well they're, for the season they haven't been. But like yeah. if you look if you so they, they were really, really bad to start, but if you look at like their their offensive rating game by game, it's been better recently. So I like the overall is gonna be a slow climb, but I wouldn't say they're playing like the 29th best offensive team the past couple of games. That that but, makes me more encouraged. Okay, that's fair. 
But regardless, in every game I watch this season, they have a seven to eight minute stretch, or you know, maybe it's five, where they are the 29th best offense in the league. And they put up 14 points or 16 points in a quarter. And they have long stretches where they just do not have guys who can steady the ship, calm things down. And uh, saw an interesting quote, Tim. I want to get this right, but it was basically like uh, Darvin Ham talking about getting AD the ball, saying he has my blessing to scream out his own number. What? You're the coach. It kind of speaks to me, I guess, as a greater uh, framing of how the Lakers' offense is player-driven instead of scheme-driven. And the, and the scheme that slips in is from the coaching staff who really, I think, need to take control um, away from the players in some situations. But it doesn't sound like that's what players on this team want. Yeah, I'd like to see the coach take a bit more control. Um, within the freelance, hey, AD can ask for the ball more. He was facing extra help. So, like... It, it isn't just for a post-up player. It's It can't just be, you know, time for me to do my thing and then, you know, go against three defenders. When they were running stuff in the first half, we watched it. We saw him get, like, true 1v1s and score through him really easily. He's going he's gonna to dominate if he can get real 1v1s. They weren't doing that. They weren't running the quick step-up ball screens up the sideline to get mismatches and attack right away. They weren't running the off-screen stuff once they were getting post-ups. Like, it's on the coach to call the plays that, set players up in the right positions to succeed. If they're getting a post-up for AD and then he does something stupid with, stupid with it, that's on him. But I don't know. I co- The coaching has to realize what they call directly impacts what the team does. And when they're not calling anything at all, the team's not doing well. So I would hope that they're taking a look and you know, self-assessing and self-scouting and realizing when we're at our best, like there's a stretch against Denver where they called like 13 plays 13 sets and 15 plays. There was a stretch against Utah where they called 15 sets and 17 plays. Just absolutely dominant offense. It's when we're deciding LeBron's going to be the playmaker. AD is going to be the roller. This guy's going to be the shooter. This guy's going to be the screener. Here's where everyone's going to stand. Like under, you know, it's when they're not playing jazz band and they're, they're playing more on the same page. That's when they've been at their best. So I, I'm going to, you know, play calling is to step up. But when the play calling isn't there within the freelance, I can certainly see AD could, could be asking for the ball a little bit more or maybe try to get involved with dribble handoffs or I don't know. He's got to find some other way to get involved if, if the, the sets aren't going to be there for him. I mean, can't they find ways to get him the ball in the sets in positions to succeed against switches oh, yeah. um, with motion? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Seeing some of the stuff that I know it's a different kind of player, but hey, Utah was running for Laurie Marketing, just having him curl off of these low like curls, or he catches the ball, you know, ten feet from the rim, and he's got a little bit of his head of steam. And again, I know they're different players. I know you have to guard that for the three differently, but the, the AD can be set up using some of these sets and schemes so much better. And uh, I don't really, I don't want him to call his own number. Because that means he's going to be in the post, facing up. You know, it's one thing if he's facing up against Robin Lopez and he can beat him off the dribble and get a basket on his own. But the spacing's not there. So he's going to have help. He's going to get help done. And it's not going to be easy. 
and he's already <laughs> shown some physical wear and tear in the first nine games of the season. It's just not a great place to be when the team's, mm-hmm. you know, I, it, and I'm not even looking at the results. I am looking at the process. I'm looking at like, why we have such a big gap between the good and the bad. That's what's concerning me, Tim, is because more likely to me, the bad's going to keep coming if if the coaching staff does not take control of this offense in the ways that I think you and I want them to. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And we're not asking them to install new stuff. They've run, prior to this most recent game, 84 different half-court set plays in the regular season. Even more than more than 100 if you cap preseason. They installed a motion offense that they don't really use anymore. Like, they've installed a bunch of stuff. Some of it's great. Some of it's good. Some of it I don't love. Most of it's really solid. And when they use it, they perform well. And they have plenty within that playbook that you can circle and say, this is an AD play, an AD play, an AD play. We want AD for a roll. We want AD on a post-up true 1v1. Like, they've got that built in. They put this together with him in mind, with LeBron in mind, with Russ in mind. Like, the right stuff is there. It's going to come down to play calling. And thankfully, you know, it feels bad. The Lakers just lost, and they've lost two in a row. But when we look at game by game, again, haven't logged this game, but they had a really, really rough game three from a play calling standpoint. They were basically asleep at the wheel. Since then, the five games, again, not counting this past game, but the five games since then, they've been much, much better. Um, two, uh, I guess of the last three games, they've had three of their four highest like play calling uh, frequency games of the season. They've been really upping their their game. There was a stretch in uh, two games ago where they had – 58%, 63%, 50% for Q2, Q3, Q4 against the Pelicans in terms of set play usage. So three quarters in a row of over 50%. Um, that's that's great. I'm excited to see that. So I think they've been making the right strides. The Cavs are a better team than them today. I was encouraged by defensively. I want to go watch the film. I'll, I'll see the mistakes again. But in that Utah game, I went through, I found the film. I found all the mistakes. I put the clips together. I organized them. And I saw a couple trends. I saw LeBron losing his man constantly. I saw Russ losing his man a fair degree. I saw Walker losing his man a couple times. I saw seven coverage, like defending an off-ball screen or defending a ball screen, seven coverage mistakes. Every single one of those seven mistakes, Lonnie Walker was involved in. Those are those where like you just see one, it's like, ah, well, somebody messed up. When it's somebody messed up with the same guy in every one of the plays, I know yeah. who messed up. Um yeah. So those are the quieter things with his game that need to be cleaned up. That That's communication. That's, you know, X's and O's understanding. That's stuff that should be able to be figured out. The Lakers aren't running a ton of diverse defensive schemes, which I think is another potential problem of theirs. They're like all dropping or some switch. Uh, there's not a whole lot going on for them defensively. So they need to get on the same page. But you mentioned earlier this past game, it seemed like there were focus and attention errors. That's the LeBron and Russ kind of, they're the guys who have been major culprits there. When it's coverages, it's been Lonnie. And in general, they have some issues with containment. They have some issues with size, just given the roster construction. But for most of this game recently, it seemed like defensively, they at least took it up a notch. And when they weren't defending in transition, at least the half-court defense looked pretty good. Um, 
still playing a good team. I think the Cavs did a good job attacking the Lakers drop coverage and the Lakers did, didn't have other pitchers to throw, which is an issue. But I think it was at least a step up from that Utah games defense, which was really, really disappointing. Um, and that, that hid what was an otherwise really great offensive game. And the Lakers have shot, I don't know what they shot today. It wasn't very good, but they were shooting like 40% on threes over the past three or four games. So overall big picture, like the offensive rating isn't looking good, but on a game by game level, we've seen an upswing. And I think the process has followed up until maybe today, but uh, I'm trying not to get too down, but I do definitely see flaws in this roster and it's, it's easy to, you know, like you mentioned earlier, it seems like everybody was contributing to the failure a little bit here or there in their own unique ways. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Tim, um, we're going to keep it short today. So we're going to take a quick break uh, and we will be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, and we're back. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook today because overall I do feel like he has been a much better player for the Lakers uh, than he was at almost any point last season. And I wanted to ask you uh, like, why you thought that was. Um, is it correlated to him coming off of the bench, which is kind of when it did seem to start you know, him playing with a little bit more efficiency. So what are you seeing from Russ? Um, in the first few games of him off the bench? Well, it's a mix of factors. It's a mix of he's hitting his threes. 
which we didn't yeah, see a whole lot of. And, and some of them are catch and shoot corner threes. And that's the, the type of stuff we want to see. He's hit like four or five in the past two games where it was like full confidence, pull up like last year, threes we'd be really upset about him taking. And they've gone in. So they're still not over good shots. This, they're not good shots. They've gone in and they've gotten the crowd behind them and it's good. Like I'll, I'll, I'll take the result, but I don't love the process. So some of that is still there. He has, I, I don't have numbers for this and I could probably get numbers for this. I just don't have them at the moment. It seems like he's cut out the settling in the mid range portion of his game, which certainly improves his shot diet in general. He's off. He's operated pretty well when the Lakers are running their sets. I think that's he's certainly a beneficiary of that. They make the playmaking reads easier. They make it more more likely that when he does kick it out, it'll be to someone who's more open than than they otherwise would be. So that's benefiting him. But him coming off the bench also allows him to more more uh, frequently operate with the ball in his hands, which you know he he wasn't a super effective on ball player last year, but he was a horrendous off ball player. And he's not a great guy when it comes to, you know, catching, shooting off ball or hasn't been. So him being on ball makes more sense. He doesn't screen well. I, I don't, I hate putting compilations together of guys like being crappy at something and putting a video on Twitter. Um, but I, you could definitely put together a real good video of Russell Westbrook, like not making any effort to set screens. He's supposed to be setting that. So the screen setting has been an issue. So him on ball, because the Lakers for, you know, when you look at how much he's played and how much LeBron's played, they've kept them apart from each other about as much as they possibly can for most of these games recently with him coming off the bench, which allows them to each be on ball more when they are in the game. And so that's worked well. And then, like I mentioned earlier, defensively, it's good to have have them apart from each other. But I think his success is a mix of he's out of his own head. He's, he's found early success. He's hitting some of those shots he wasn't hitting last year. Even if they're not great shots, he's hitting them, so it feels better. The crowd isn't booing him when he's got the ball. Um, and, like, this Lakers crowd isn't a bad crowd, but if if you're having an awful season and they think they can deter you from taking shots they don't want you to take, they're going to let you hear it. But he's been better about take not taking the mid-range shots. He's hit the threes, and he's still getting to the rim. Um, so... I don't know. I don't think he's someone that I, I haven't seen anything in the past couple of games that makes me think that like shouldn't trade him. I don't think they're better off keeping him from a basketball standpoint compared to some of the trades we've discussed. And we won't talk about trades today because we've done that most pods, but he's, he's better than we thought he might be, or he's better than he was last year, I should say, but it, not to the point where I'm disinterested in those other options. I'll say that. No, no I agree with that. I, I guess like when I said that about the trade earlier, it's just that this team has got a lot of other problems than just Russ. Russ like mm-hmm. Russ was not the their only problem last year, and it's disingenuous oh, yeah, to right. suggest yeah. otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the vibes are better, but not great. Um, he definitely being away from LeBron, being able to command a second unit. Uh, he's been great with AD on the floor. I feel like. Um, They've had some pretty good, you know, pick and roll chemistry. I feel like the lobs have been there for those two. Um, he, but he, and you know, he'll make the loud uh, help block. He had a nice block today, but uh, his help defense is still pretty bad. Uh, and he helps when he shouldn't. 
and gives up threes because he's now he's scrambling back to his guy. Um, you know, he's a culprit for leaving guys who should not be open, open mm-hmm. three point shooters. Yep. So there's still a Russ being Russ element, <clears throat> despite him being slightly better and more efficient in general on offense. I do think he has made some adjustments to take out some of those mid rangers to more intelligently attack the paint. And the Lakers, I think, have set him up better to dump off, cut, you know, or to hit cutters. And I think they just have better slashers now with Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown, um, even kind of guys like Wendy and Gabriel kind of finding angles, you know, for a rust dump off. But as him being slightly better is not going to raise the the tide if LeBron's going to be kind of bad or inefficient, mm-hmm. I guess is the way I should say that. Um, and AD is going to go in and out of, uh, you know, of being dominant. Right. Yeah. The play calling, I think, will help AD. I think LeBron's struggles recently have certainly impacted AD. Russ struggling a bit in the second half today impacted AD because those are the guys that are feeding him when they're trying to get him more involved on cuts, stump offs, and rolls. Like you mentioned with with Russ, he's had the issues off ball. We noticed and like pointed out probably half a dozen of them just today, and that was live. If you're seeing them live, they're probably happening a lot more frequently because that's usually the stuff that's more difficult to see and notice live. So I'm curious what the, the film looks like there, but I'm glad you brought LeBron up because he has not played well. <laughs> he's not played up to his standard. He's no. not played like, anything like we've seen him in the past. He... For So today, he was actually efficient. He was certainly not a good jump shooter, but he was still an efficient basketball player. Um, he was assisting well. His point production relative to his scoring possessions was good. But in the Utah game and the Pelicans game, he was very inefficient. He was not making the most of the opportunities he had. And it, it kills the team. He can't be not your best or second best player and, and this team have any success. So... He, for both of those games, was like playing through being sick. Uh, He looked a little bit better today. I don't know that he's 100%. He's playing through the foot thing. So with the season being as short as it's been so far, it's hard to know how much of what we've seen from him is due to those factors that will and do impact his play and how much is like, this is what he is now. I don't think he's as bad as we've seen the past couple games. He's definitely not. But I don't know if he's the same guy that we saw last year. And if he's a step back from that, I think that's understandable given his age. But to your point earlier, that also might mean making one of these trades, if it's a short-term play and not a long, long-term play, just isn't worth it. Because you won't have the, the championship upside you're looking for. So, I, yeah, I don't, I want, you know, people are very much overreacting for the first time in, you know, ever. Uh, Russ has been more efficient than LeBron just about everywhere, up and down. Yeah. Um, so LeBron's certainly caught his crap for that. But it'll, it has, today was better than it was the past two games and it will be better. But it's, I think, still an open question if he is and will be in the, the right kind of shape physically to be able to, and with his jump shot to be able to, you know, lead a, a Lakers team to anything this season. And that's just TBD. I'm not saying it can't happen, but he has to bounce back from what's been a, a rough couple games moving forward. And the Lakers schedule sets up for it really well. They have the easiest schedule the rest of this month. They certainly have a couple tough games in there, but 
they play the Spurs three times. They play Utah, who they just lost to, but they have a good chance to beat. Um, they have a lot of a lot of easy games ahead. So if they were to get on a roll, this is the time to do it. And if they can't get on a roll during the month of November, this team's cooked because December they have the toughest schedule in the NBA. And it doesn't yeah. get too much easier after that. So this is their chance the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team. We're going to see what LeBron looks like when he's not hopefully, hopefully not hurt, uh, hopefully not sick. Um, and we'll see if the rust to the bench thing is, you know, are these threes he's taking sustainable or did he just, you know, make some of the ones we normally wouldn't see him make. And that has us feeling a different way about him. So lots of small sample shenanigans potentially so far, but process wise, there are still some encouraging things on the coaching side, but still room for growth, especially when it comes to play calling in the second half. Where would you say your left con level is at? I think previously when we measured, you were less worried than I was. I think I was still at a one. I would say I'm still pretty much at a one. I, man. So I was at a three. That's what I, that's what I have it. That's, that's where the, the app has it on discord. I haven't adjusted (laughs) it from there. Given, man, I think we've seen, hmm, I, I don't know. I think I'm back down to a two at this point. Yeah. This year doesn't look good. I'll, I'm going to go down to a two. If we see the things that dictate me going back up to a three, I'll do so. I think maybe I got a little bit ahead of my skis there. The scheme I was excited about, and it's been pretty good. When, I get it. You know, when the play call is clicking, they won two games recently yeah. in a row. Uh you know, had that really weird defensive game. But if the defense didn't suck, let's say if LeBron wasn't sick and he plays much better defensively, he isn't incredibly inefficient offensively. The Lakers beat Utah and we're probably feeling much better right now just from a from a record standpoint. So just a little thing here or there maybe changes this thing. Hey, if Matt Ryan doesn't hit that three to send the game to overtime against the Pelicans – we might right. say, you know, people will say the season's over. Well, um, at, the, at the same time, they should have beat Portland. Mm-hmm. They should yeah. have won that game. Right. They, this isn't a team that's been blown out in their losses. Uh, right. they, I mean, they sometimes have, but they've been competitive and sometimes been ahead in a lot of these games. And I definitely see them improving from a process standpoint. Right. Well, that's encouraging, Tim. I always appreciate, you know, that's why we balance each other out. So I'm the cynic and you're the optimist, but you're much more well-informed than me. I just, I don't know. LeBron is uh, is a very old basketball player and these things don't generally fall completely off a cliff. They slide um, mm-hmm. a lot more subtly than you think. And it's just hard for him to get to the basket, man. Um, it's hard for him to get around guys, even when he's putting his, his shoulder into their chest is really, he has to put their, his shoulder into their chest for 15 straight feet or do a spin, uh, and seal or, you know what I mean? Because the post up fadeaways, the spot up threes, they don't look good right now. He's not just missing. He's missing poorly. He's missing very, very poorly. So it's it's slightly concerning. It's something to keep your eye on. I know he's been sick, but you know it's it's about that time. 
Yeah. We've been waiting for the drop off a bit. Like not like, oh gosh, where is it? Is it coming? But, you know, it's somewhat to be expected given his age. He's definitely going through guys more than he's going around them these days. Uh, we, I mean, we saw the play today where he just kind of bulldozed Jared Allen a couple of feet. And then once he was able to get the separation, then he went up and shot. Uh, he's not rising above players, nor is he going around them these days. It's he needs a small guy on him or someone with a higher center of gravity than him that he can push around a bit or a runway that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or a runway. And so I see all of that while also seeing that his, at least in our our rim shot creation metric, which is looking at his ability to get to the rims in self-graded opportunities. He's about where he was last year. And I think that I think the difference there between those two, what we're seeing and what that data says is is scheme like i think the scheme is helping him when he's on ball create additional opportunities that he otherwise wouldn't and i think it's also just looked different like it's different right now but he's still able to do it to a degree and i certainly i think i like it worse i'd like it more if you were getting around guys but he is still getting there what has been really concerning for uh him russ and ad is all three of them are currently at a career low in our rim shot making metric. They're all very much underperforming their shot quality, or at least this is the worst they've shot at the rim compared to their other seasons in the league. So that is bound to improve. Uh, Some of them, like LeBron's drop-off was crazy this year from what he's normally been. I expect some decline, like you mentioned, but gradual, not fall off a cliff. So there is some positive regression coming there, just like there is with the three-point shooting. But it is something to keep an eye on because we are seeing LeBron need to play a different way. We're seeing him adjust and age and adapt as he's getting older. And that's good. But, it, you know, he is getting older. But at least he's at least he's making those adjustments like as he's aging rather than, you know, having two months where he can't do anything and then trying to make a, a tweak. It seems like he's aware and, and trying to get out ahead of it. All right, Tim, I think we're going to leave it there for today. I'm still not feeling great. Um, but w- please do me a favor and tell the audience more about playback and what we've been doing over there uh, since the start of the season. Yeah, so playback's fantastic. The experience for Tim watching a game at home by himself is I pull it up on League Pass, which isn't supported by the PS ps5 um you can get in the app you can lock in it won't work i dm them they're like oh yeah really it won't work we just don't <laughs> support that yeah they gave away free league pass to people buying like 2k which i didn't do um the ultimate edition or whatever and it doesn't even work on playstation so oh, man. Uh, i have to watch on my like roku or on my laptop or whatever and if i try to tweet about the game or go on the discord chat i'm always behind other people or sometimes i'm ahead of i'm ahead of the people streaming it illegally i'm behind the people watching it on spectrum and that creates for not as fun of an experience because i'm reacting to plays two plays late or two plays early and so i often just don't look at the chat unless it's a commercial and that's less fun um i also am not the biggest fan of some of the announcing crews for various teams um including the lakers they're they're okay they've been doing it for a while like there's an appeal i get it i like different things and I like to focus on different things. So, and, and, you know, then when we get to the national crews, some of them are just brutal. So instead of going through that kind of experience on playback, it's free. You just go in. Uh, if you go to playback.tv slash Lakers watch party, you're able to go in, 
you sign into, like I have Hulu Live, I sign into that, or my league pass, I sign into that. They've got uh, Xfinity, they have Spectrum, they have Fios, they have all kinds of, they have like 30 different, no, not 30, probably like 20 different providers. So if you've got something that you're watching Lakers games with currently, that's not an illegal stream, you will be able to log into it through them, uh, DirecTV, whatever. Once you do that, then the game you watch on your screen is synced up with the game I'm watching on my screen, Tom's, Tom's watching on his screen, stream, screen, whatever, and everybody else. Same thing with the chat. The chat's great. It's like a Discord chat. You can use GIFs. You can use emojis, reactions. We can pin messages. We can do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, and then t Tom and I, or when Tom's not there, Taylor Wyman, who does the Basketball Index podcast and is a Laker fan, and I uh, will be calling the games for you. So that's a fun experience. It's generally, to me, at least a bit more fun. And uh, we've had some fun guests on, you know, Harrison Fagan's joined us. Anthony Irwin has joined us. Um, Raj Chapalus has joined us. Um, we've had all kinds of different people. Uh, Lakers Guru has joined us. We have uh, Yovan Buha is joining tomorrow. Uh, Damon Rangula is joining on Friday. So we've lined up some fun guests. I'm probably forgetting a couple people. Apologies. But, you know, making it a fun place to hang out and talk about the game. And then as we were watching today, we were able to point stuff out like, all right, the Lakers are running their horn set. This is what they like to run out of it. Or this is why this play worked. Or this is why that play didn't work. Or here's why it looks like, you know, the Cavs ran this play to beat drop coverage. Here's how it's working. Um, that kind of stuff. It's it's just enjoyable. It's a synced up experience. It's a great time. So go check that out. It's, it's you know, I'm not tweeting about games as much. I'm not in the Discord chat, game chat tweeting, you know, talking about games i'm in that chat talking about games so that's a good time and uh if you want to get into the discord reach out to us with a five-star review of the podcast um or check out the link in my bio once you're in there you can go to various levels we had a bonus pod this week where i did a live mailbag and we also had an x's and o session where we went through and like literally built a like 50 play playbook based on a like fictional personnel team that we came up with so we picked you know out of bounds plays we picked uh, half court sets, all kinds of different things. We, you know, organize them by like what coverages they're beating and really got through that process of like, here's how you would put this together and how to evaluate it. So that was building on a bunch of other sessions we'd done. If you subscribe to that level, you get access to like probably like 24 hours worth of recorded content, getting you from A to Z when it comes to scheme in the NBA. So if you want to see the game differently, become a more knowledgeable fan, that's a good place to check out. Uh, want to shout out people who are following us and uh, supporting at the various tier, various tiers. TJ Timotaji uh, for generously supporting us as an arena sponsor, and then we got Zach Harris, Q Daddio, iPod Shuffle, Romario, Chamber, Miguel, T Shuttleworth, Omar, Roy, Abdul Rahman, Keneal Mason, and I think maybe a few other new ones for living the high life with us in the owners box, and then all of the uh, courtside and lower bowl crews as well. Shout out for everything you're doing and supporting us and. Uh, for the lowest tier and then everybody above it, I've also made my spreadsheet public where you can see every play of the Lakers half-court offense this season. Here's who was on the court. Here's what alignment they were in, what play they ran, what the result was, what the shot type was, what the play type was. And then I have a tab full of analysis where you can see which lineups are running, which kind of plays, which plays are more effective than others, how often the Lakers are in five out versus four out one in versus Horns, whatever. Um, I've created some interactive tools where you can say, all right, when Russ and AD are in the game and LeBron is out of the game, what does the Lakers offense look like? What, what are they doing? Is it freelance? Is it 
motion offense? Is it set plays? And then how effective are they? What is the shot profile? Stuff like that. So tons and tons and tons of insights being able to be unlocked because that's logged and you get access to that in the Discord at any of those various tiers. So check it out. If you want more content, you like what we're doing over here, this is the place to be. And it's not just us too. There's lots of great just community discussion and conversation. Um, great place to vent after the games or celebrate, place to celebrate after wins. Um, so it's a, it's a good time. We've got some fun like internal content creators. We've got someone in there who's even tracking kills and deaths uh, in the kill death ratio that the, uh, so the kills are that, that concept that Darwin Hams talked about. So lots and lots of great stuff in there. Sounds great, man. I will put that link in the description. The great thing about uh, uh, playback is that it's the same link every time. Uh, it's mm -hmm. the same room. So I will put that in the description of this pod. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for the support. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.